I'm standing here. I just ate a piece of freedom candy. I have a glass of Liberty milk to eat. To eat? I don't have a glass of milk to eat. I have a glass of Liberty milk to drink. Why am I standing here? Well, take a listen as we take a second look. From Outset, I'm Benjamin Green, and you are listening to Second Look, the show where we pause and re-examine things going on in politics and culture. Today, as I mentioned, I am standing up, and I am doing that for several reasons, all of which we will talk about in just a minute after a quick word from our sponsor. Second Look is brought to you in partnership with Octopod. Octopod is a company that has mobile charging solutions for wherever you are, so your devices never, and I mean never, have to run out of charge. Be prepared. Check out octo-pod.com slash outset. That's octo-pod.com slash outset. So standing. Standing is the theme of the day. Any guesses why? Hmm, I wonder. Well, this episode is airing on April 7th, the same day that Rand Paul is going to announce that he is jumping into the ring, into the race to seek the presidency. I, for one... I'm a Rand Paul supporter. Rand Paul's my guy. You go on my Twitter right now. Uh, actually, go ahead and do that right now. Go ahead and go on my Twitter. Tweet at me. What do you think of Rand Paul? Use the hashtag second look. Mention at BGreenAZ. You'll notice that my avatar is this nice little silhouette. And my header background says I stand with Rand. And that is why I'm standing today. I really, really like him. The first time I remember hearing about Rand Paul was when he refused to be screened by the TSA when he was going through the airport. And at the time, I I should have looked up when this happened. I didn't. But I would guess it was right around the time he got elected to the Senate. Um, I was still in high school kind of figuring out where I was politically, but not really there yet. And I thought this was ridiculous. Like, come on, man, just suck it up and go through the screening. But it's funny because since then, I have come to appreciate Rand Paul very much, especially on the issue of government surveillance and the abuses that the federal government has committed with regards to our rights as protected by the Fourth Amendment. And for one, his filibuster, the man talked for almost 13 hours before President Obama would promise that he would not use a drone strike against an American citizen. It's crazy that he had to do it, but I'm very glad that he did do it. He used the filibuster for what the filibuster is for. He stood up there and spoke for 13 hours hours. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of courage. Um, I can imagine he probably then went home and slept for twice that long. I know I would have. 
But I I really like the way that Rand Paul stands for something. This is something that I talked about a little bit last week with Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is very unapologetic in his stances. And, and I think that the consistency from these men who take stances is important. We need to have a candidate who is consistent. However, I think Rand Paul does a better job of this than Ted Cruz because he does it without giving the impression of grandstanding. I... I went into depth on Cruz last week, and I'm not going to rehash that today, but Rand Paul comes off as far more genuine than Ted Cruz. For instance, everyone knows that tomorrow he is going to announce his candidacy. Well, I guess today when you're listening to this, but anyway, April 7th, he's going to announce that he's running for president of the United States. So April 6th, what does he tweet out a picture of? Him mowing the lawn in shorts. You know, he's a down-to-earth guy. He's tech-savvy. That's a big one. Um, Ted Cruz made lots of headlines for the wrong reasons when TedCruz.com and TedCruzForAmerica.com redirect to these pro-Obama, pro-immigration reform websites. His website is TedCruz.org. Rand Paul has the digital strategy nailed down. I mentioned that... uh, I should actually give credit where credit's due. Harris Media is where it's at. They have the digital strategy nailed down. But props to Dr. Paul, as his Twitter name now is, for hiring Harris Media because they are excellent at what they do. I mentioned earlier that my Twitter avatar is now... Um, a silhouette of Rand Paul. It's been cool to see those popping up all over the internet today to um, people showing their support for him as he's coming into this race. And I am very pleased to see him come in. I think he is well poised to win the general election. It's going to be a tough, tough, tough primary. It'll be tough for everybody. But I have a feeling even though he's tried to make friends with the establishment, they're going to kind of come after him a bit. The money, as I mentioned last week, is with Jeb Bush. It It's going to be a tough race for him, but boy, am I excited he's in there. So stand with Rand. That kind of... I, I first saw that pick up steam after his filibuster, but that's kind of what I'm doing here right now. You know, I'm standing, I'm voicing my support for him. And again, I'd really like to know what you think of Rand Paul. Tweet me at bgreenaz right now while you're listening. Specifically, I'd like you to answer these three questions. Number one, can he win the nomination? Number two, Should he win the nomination? Number three, if you're a Rand Paul fan, what's your favorite thing about him? If you're not a Rand Paul fan, what's your least favorite thing about him? And of course, you can always find us on OutsetMagazine.com and comment there. This is a conversation on this show, and I'd really like to invite you to continue that conversation 
on Twitter. Hashtag second look. Last week, when I heard that Rand Paul introduced an amendment that would increase defense spending, I was a bit alarmed. I am a proponent of a strong national defense. I am not a proponent of a wasteful national defense. I think before we increase any defense spending, we need to audit the Pentagon. But that's another story for another day. I was alarmed by this bill. I even tweeted about it. A little bit of back and forth with Julia Porterfield from Red Millennial, one of Rand Paul's biggest fans that I know of. And I it frustrated me to see him introduce this amendment. But then I learned kind of the whole story that really it was a response to Senator Cruz and Rubio, who had introduced an amendment to increase defense spending without cutting anything. So it was just another increase, just going to add to the deficit, just going to add to the debt, not make any difference. And so Senator Paul came and said, well, hey, look, if you want to increase defense spending, you got to take the money from somewhere else. So his amendment had the same increases, but it actually cut something to pay for it. So... I really like that, too. The one area that is really standing out to me the most this election cycle is foreign policy. I think pretty much every single American citizen agrees that the Iraq war was mismanaged. Operation Iraqi Freedom. We went in badly. We came out badly, and we're kind of still there-ish. We created this power vacuum. Now there's ISIS there. There's war between Iraq and Syria. Iran is getting involved, and it's a mess. Some of those problems that are going on there right now are definitely, unquestionably, to be placed at our feet. We're the ones to blame for that. Some of them are regional, some of them are religious, but all around, the Iraq War was not handled well. I don't want another president who is going to get us into another Iraq. I have lots of close friends who have served in the military at one point, many family members And I don't want to see them put in harm's way. Unless there is a demonstrable, urgent need for the national defense. This is something I like Rand Paul on. He has a lot more hesitation in going to war than some of the other candidates would. But... Also, on top of that, he's very, very adamant about the role of Congress in going to war. That the president cannot just wage war. He has to go through Congress. That is another thing I really like. However, on foreign policy, Senator Paul recently was quoted as saying, and let me read this here to be make sure I'm accurate... 
he said, and I quote, I would draw new lines for Kurdistan, and I would promise them a country. Then, if you go a little further down here, it's a little easier to say than it is to actually make it happen. I think if you did that and could get peace between the Kurds and the Turks, then the Turks would actually fight if the Kurds would give up any claim to Turkish territory. Now, I do agree he's probably right about what would happen if the Kurds were to get a state, but I do not think that America belongs in the business of telling other peoples, other nations, what their borders are. You know, imagine if these roles were reversed here. So, America has a dispute with Mexico over some area right along the border. And Turkey comes in and says, no, 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 no. Hey, look, you have all these cartel problems. They're really violent people. Just give the U.S. the land and they'll take out the cartels. And then Mexico, you won't even have to worry about the... Turkey doesn't have any place settling this dispute, and the United States doesn't have any place settling a dispute between Turkey and the Kurds. I admire some of what I've seen of the Kurds. They seem to have great courage coming in and fighting the Islamic State. But if they want a state, ultimately, it must be up to them. Uh, I don't think it's our business to draw borders. So that's something I really didn't like that Rand Paul did. And then another one is this letter that the 47 senators signed. I understand the sentiment. Senator Paul specifically said that he signed the letter as a message to the Obama administration. Don't do this without congressional approval. And I do admire that, but this letter was entirely the wrong way to go about it. You know, Iran is a big issue right now, and likely will be for a very long time. It's an old nation, And they've caused a lot of problems for a lot of people, but I don't see how it could possibly be constructive for 47 senators to sign a letter to a foreign nation while that nation is in negotiations with us. I... I just don't see... I I understand the point they were making. They wanted to make clear that Congress has the ultimate authority here. And that is true. Congress does have the authority. But there is no point in undermining negotiations. Especially if you're saying those negotiations are toothless. I I was really frustrated to see this because I think it was just grandstanding, but it was 47 senators, so it's more than grandstanding. Definitely a stunt. Um, And, again, I don't want anything to push this great nation closer to war other than 
necessary, urgent national defense. And I did not think that this letter did anything to push us away from war, and it could have even pushed us closer to war. Time will tell if we end up going to war in Iran. But I was very unhappy to see Senator Paul sign on to that letter. So what do you think about the letter? What do you think about the Kurds? Should they have a state? Should the U.S. be involved in getting them a state? Please talk to us. Let us know. I am still standing up, and in just a minute, after a brief word from our sponsor, I'll tell you why. I have never been camping. Now, even though I haven't been camping, I know it's important to make sure when you go camping, you're going to be able to get out from where you are. And sometimes that involves having a cell phone. Well, if you want to make sure your phone doesn't die when you go camping this summer, why don't you head on over to octo-pod.com outset and pick up one of their portable charging solutions. That way you can always have a backup battery with you wherever you go. octo-pod.com outset. Keeps you safe while camping. So there's another reason I'm standing today, and this one is going to be a little more passionate, maybe a little more emotional than Stand With Rand. Um, Being a Rand Paul supporter that I am, you might have guessed that I'm probably a little more libertarian on a lot of things than other Republicans are. I am. By the way, registered as a Republican. Not necessarily everyone here at Outset is, but I am. And not even too long ago, I might have described myself as libertarian first, conservative second. But that all changed this past week. (laughs) Um, This Religious Freedom Restoration Act nonsense that happened in Indiana has made me into more of a social conservative than I ever was before. I am not a big government social conservative. You're not going to see me out the... I'm still supporting Rand Paul, for Pete's sake. But conservatism is at its core, I believe, and many people disagree with me here, but uh, Russell Kirk liked to write about how it is at its core a religious philosophy. Much of what conservatism is stems from morality, the notion that there is absolute truth, there is a standard by which things can be measured, and out of that naturally flows religion. And... I don't know. In me personally, the social conservative had really just been waning. I I came to libertarianism when I took an economics class, actually. And I was just like, oh, wow, this all makes sense. You know, free market. And But 
there there is a key distinction even though libertarianism and conservatism overlap often in fact but i the trendy term right now as popularized by charles c w cook is the conservatarian um there there are lots of people and i would lump rand paul into this mix who are just this fusion of libertarian and conservative and while they do share a lot, it is important to note a few major distinctions between conservatism and libertarianism. And I promise I'll get back to RFRAs in a second. Conservatism at its core is not self-focused. Libertarianism is, I am an individual, I have these rights. It's not necessarily selfish, but it is self-focused. You know, these are my rights. You can't infringe on my rights. I can't infringe on your rights. Conservatism at its core is focused on providence, if you will. Divine providence. Um, giving us these rights and we try to protect them, but we understand they're not ours to take, they're not ours to give, because the rights don't come from us. We don't get the rights just because we're human. They're a gift. Now, one of these rights given to us is the right to religious freedom. It's the right that sent the pilgrims, in search of a new land to begin with. It's a right on which our nation was founded. And even before that, the colonies. You had Quaker colonies, Catholic colonies, Protestant colonies, Puritan colonies. Religious freedom is, at its core, a very, very American thing. Other places have had religious freedom, but America exists because of religious freedom. RFRA laws have gotten very bad press as being discriminatory against LGBT people. I personally, and this is my view, again, not necessarily the view of everyone at outset, I am of the conviction that marriage simply is, at its core, a union between one woman and one man for the duration of their lives. And so this issue speaks very dearly to me. I have had several friends who are homosexual, some by choice, some... Um, say they were born that way, and whether or not you agree with them in that, it is important that these individuals are not treated barbarically. They're not second-class citizens. They are people. I believe they're misguided people, but they're people. They have these same God-given rights. They have the same value 
as me, as you. Maybe you are gay. Maybe you're listening to this. And I just want you to know that I value you. I I don't say any of this to degrade you. However, if I owned a bakery, if I were a freelance photographer, if I owned a pizza place, as is apparently the case in Indiana, I would not cater your wedding ceremony. And I don't do that because I hate you, because I'm afraid of you, because I think you're lesser. I do it because under religious freedom, I cannot be forced to participate in something that violates my conscience. And being friends with a gay person does not violate my conscience at all. Participating in a gay wedding does. And if if you aren't familiar with what an RFRA is, please go listen to Stephen's podcast from last week. He went really in-depth on religious freedom, religious freedom restoration acts, what they do exactly. It is not just a blank check to businesses like, oh, you can say, well, on Tuesdays, I, my religion says I can't talk to Jews, so no Jewish people are allowed in my restaurant on Tuesday. That's not what an RFRA does. Um, Stephen went really in-depth there, good coverage, so please go check out the Stephen Perkins program from last week. But these RFRAs are necessary in this day and age, and that makes me very sad, but we have to protect religious freedom at all costs. One thing that I feel like did not get said at all in this debate Should we not err on the side of caution? Religious beliefs, I don't care if you're an atheist, I don't care if you're an anti-theist, out of your love for your fellow American, you should be extremely cautious to not force them to violate their conscience. You know, within Christianity, we're instructed in the New Testament to not do something that would cause our brother to fall. The issue recorded in Scripture is eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. Some Christians said, oh, there's no problem with that. Other Christians had a real problem with it. And the instruction from the Bible is, if it's going to cause a problem for your brother, don't do it. And even though that is a biblical argument, I feel like it's absolutely applicable to public life in America today. If your brother, your sister, your fellow American is going to stumble, is going to fall, is going to be hurt by something you're doing, don't do it. And if we put a law in place that protects them from that hurt, that's a very good thing. So I'm standing today in support of Rand Paul. 
I'm standing in support of religious freedom, and specifically Religious Freedom Restoration Acts. I really hope you'll stand with me. Thank you very much for pausing and taking a second look at some stuff with me today. I am your host, Benjamin Green. You can find me on Twitter, at BGreenAZ. Make sure you check out the Stephen Perkins program on Thursday, at Stephen with a PH underscore Perkins on Twitter, to find out all the info about that. He does a great show. It's a little different than mine, but it's fantastic. I listen to it every week. Check out, as always, OutsetMagazine.com, and please, if you have a moment, go rate the show in iTunes. It's awesome if you give us five stars. It gives us a lot more exposure that way. And I am recording this after Duke just beat Wisconsin to be the national champion in this year's March Madness. Now, I don't care what you think about the end call... I wanted U of A to win it all, so I was really bummed when they got knocked out. But there is one little bit of silver lining in that I managed to somehow win the family bracket competition. We'll see you next week.